This is a story I've, I've told some of you a couple of years ago, so maybe a refresher for some and, and new for others. But, but either way, the story is that 10 years ago, about this time, I officiated a wedding on Lake Lanier in Georgia. And to get to this wedding, you had to cross this long wood bridge from the mainland onto this wood platform kind of island in the middle of the lake. Beautiful setting. I've got my coat and tie on, and, and we're rolling through the service, and it's going well, and I'm, I'm getting to the end of the homily. Now, early that morning during the rehearsal, we had practiced that, or took, gone through this idea that after the homily, the bride and groom were going to share a couple paragraphs of unique vows they'd written for one another for this occasion. And as we're talking through that portion that morning, the bride, she hands me a copy of what she's going to read later that day. And I, I think to myself, that's strange. I don't need this. But she's a very organized bride. She's been handing out papers to everyone, making sure everyone's in the right place. I just figure she wants everybody to have everything. Well, I get to the end of the homily at the actual service. And now the couple is going to take a few moments to share sacred vows they prepared for this occasion. And she's staring at me as I back up. And then it hits me. It's not like her dress has any pockets on it. I'm supposed to have the vows. And the vows are in my car <laughs> across that bridge. Oh, I wanted to jump in the water. <laughs> swim far away. I, what is a wedding without the vows? Have you ever shown up to like, the main event and forgot the single most important thing? And I wonder if, if maybe more times than we realize, is it possible to show up to the life of faith having sometimes forgotten the vows? Paul, he writes this letter at a time we heard when he can see his life is drawing to a near, near an end. And he's taken this final portion of the letter to, to talk to Timothy about the things that truly matter when the sun starts setting visibly. Ironically, a lot of the times you can see that kind of stuff far more clearly than when the sun is at high noon. And Paul, he wants Timothy and, and really the rest of the church to remember the fundamental vows, the most important things. Because as he explains in chapter 3, which we're not looking at today, there really are dozens of other directions that, that, that life can pull. And Paul, you heard, he talks about fighting a good fight, running the race, keeping the faith. Not because he's some amazing person who kind of finally figured it out and held it all together. But as he makes clear in verse 17 in our, our scripture, because the Lord stood by me, and gave me strength. As I look back on my life, on what really mattered, what happened in and through my life, it, it really boils down to the gift of Jesus and his presence it, through me, giving me strength, giving me love, giving me wisdom to fight the good fight, to, to run the race, to, to, to keep the faith, which is to say when Paul looks back upon his life, the main thing he sees are the vows that Jesus kept. 
for him. The vow never to leave him or forsake him. The vow to abide with him in sickness and in health. The vow to be with him in times better and times worse, times joyful, times ashamed. With all that we carry in our lives, with all that is going on in the world, with all the reasons we show up, with good reason to feel stress, concern, anxiety. I do wonder if it's sometimes it feels like we show up to the main event called life. And it's really easy to forget these fundamental vows that hold us. The promises of Jesus that really are at work in our lives. Maybe sometimes we, we kind of wonder, how, how can I really know God is with us and for us and, and through us at this time, given all that I'm experiencing, given all that I can see? I know it in my head. I've been in the church for a while. But, 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 but how, how might I know a fresh sense of this truth, that there might be some reassurance, some fresh strengthening, some fresh courage to face what is before Well, at that moment that I realized I was the one who had forgotten the vows, I was in a mental freefall inside. And eventually I, I just stuttered the words, the vows are in my car. <laughs> I look at the bride and I, <laughs> I ask, should I go get them? <laughs> She nods. <laughs> this was a sports-minded wedding gathering, and so there was a guy at the back row who's kind of picking up on all that's going on. He goes, wait, so are we taking a timeout? <laughs> I said, yes, timeout, two minutes, I will be right back. And so in that hot Georgia afternoon sun, I start running in my suit and and, and tie and dress shoes across that bridge. And it feels like slow motion because where are all the eyes? <laughs> right? And all I can think is keep moving, don't fall. Keep moving, don't fall. Have you ever been on that bridge? That is the bridge called vulnerability. And it always leads back to the vows. Paul himself is writing in the face of his own death. He's been abandoned by a number of friends and colleagues, which we'll come back to. Gone through considerable persecution. He's in prison. I mean, he is writing from a place of profound vulnerability. And there, there of all places, he sees clearly the vows of Jesus that have held him and are in fact holding him. And though we hardly know uh, the same reality Paul is going through in this moment, the same truth holds, right? It's the times when life is cracking or breaking. When our plan, our effort, our bodies are not working like they're supposed to, like we plan to, like... the times when we really mess up or they really mess up and now we're encircled by the mess that has come about 
It's the moments when we ourselves have a brush with death. It's the moments when we feel acutely vulnerable for one reason or another. That is so often where we see Jesus more clearly than ever. Vulnerability is the bridge back to the vows. And is that really any surprise to us, given that one of God's central promises is to walk with us most especially in the valley of the shadow of death? A vulnerable valley. Given that God promises that it's in our weakness, our vulnerability, that God's strength is perfected. Given that it's by way of utter vulnerability that God's love is most fundamentally communicated to us. Is it any surprise that vulnerability, seasons, moments of vulnerability, are the bridge back to the person and promises of Jesus? And so if we are gathered here today, and we, we feel it, we feel a real vulnerability, a real reason for uncertainty, a real reason for anxiety, a real fear, be assured the ground you walk upon is a bridge back to a space of fresh assurance, strength, courage. Jesus himself and if that's not you, we hardly need to wait for the moments of acute vulnerability to know the gift of those vows leading and shaping us. Last Sunday afternoon, eight of the students in our confirmation class, I mentioned during the announcements, we have eight of them, but sixth grade to ninth grade, uh, they went on a hike together along the San Gabriel River or on the San Gabriel uh, in Park. And they went there with their mentors. They have mentors, members from among this congregation who were there. Uh, they were joined by, by their parents, sometimes one or both parents, also part of this uh, walk together. And, and we took about an hour. Walked, and the, and the, the confirmand and their mentor had, had time to break off and kind of twos and, and talk about life and faith and what it means to follow Jesus and what questions there are. And, 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 and some of the parents had times to break off in twos and threes and have the same talk. And then, then we mixed and matched, and the parents got some time with, with their own child to talk about life and faith and following Jesus. And, and some of the mentors got the mix and match and talk with one another. We ended then with a big group reflection, about 15 or so minutes right alongside the San Gabriel River late Sunday afternoon. In fact, the photo on the front of your bulletin today is, is a, a photo of, of exactly where we walked. It's also simple, right? It was walking and talking. <laughs> but it was also honest talking. It was real conversation with real questions. I mean, one comfort man said to me on the walk, if Jesus has conquered death, why do we still fear death? It was heart to heart, which is to say it, it was vulnerable. And I remember thinking to myself at the end of this hour or so, this is it. Walking by faith is not just a metaphor. 
There is such a sublime joy to be known in letting these honest conversations happen and in a new layer of, of, of connection and community to unfold in Christ. And, and all the while doing that while walking alongside the San Gabriel River, right? This quiet, persistent reminder that God really is that life-giving, abundant source of water ever alongside us, ever under us, ever nourishing because water can't help do but what, what water does. And we like those trees that lie in the river. When's the last time you had an honest conversation? And did you notice the river flowing? There really are plenty of simple, everyday ways for us to feel and, and, and know and, and see the vows of Jesus are at work and moving in our lives. They are flowing alongside of and underneath and, and, and nourishing up through. Two weeks after the, uh, the wedding, I received, I received a thank you card in the mail from the bride and groom and tucked in the thank you card was a photo someone had taken at just the moment when she and I and all of us realized I didn't have the vows <laughs> I remember this moment with horror and dread do you know what the camera captured the bride is keeled over in a full of life genuine burst of laughter you don't believe me, I have the picture framed in my office. <laughs> of all the people to be deeply upset that the minister did not show up and keep his vow to do a halfway decent wedding. It's her. She laughed. In Paul's letter, yes, we heard, he remembers how the vows of love and, 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 and strength of Jesus that, that helped him keep the good fight and, and run the race. But he's also dealing, we heard, with the fact that a lot of people hurt him, abandon him. He has every reason to be deeply upset, angry, hurt. And did you catch what he said to Timothy about all these people? I mean, the hurt's real. But at my first defense... No one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. The ones who hurt me, the ones who betrayed me, the ones who weren't there for me, forgive them. And that's the thing. Right? The more we return to and, and fall upon those steadfast vows of Jesus Christ that lead us, that shape us, that mold us, it's not only that we ourselves receive a fresh encouragement, a new strength, a new courage. It's that those vows, they feed us like a stream of water that cannot help but nourish us, shape us with that same forgiving love flowing through us. And so even when we have very good reason to be upset, to be aggrieved, to be wronged by others who have not kept their vow, 
the more we cross that bridge back to God's vows, God's love, the more we ourselves respond with that kind of love. The kind of love that declares from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Whether this day you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, or you're walking along the San Gabriel River, Jesus is with us. Jesus is for us. Jesus is very much nourishing us. Water can't help but do what water does. May, may that vow give us the courage and compassion to share that, that same kind of love through us unto all of God's people, unto all of God's creation. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.